about this morning. We've done a series on talk about this morning. We've done a series on how great God is. We looked at how great God is in the heavens, how great God is in our talk about this morning. We've done a series on how great God is. We looked at how great God is in the heavens, how great God is in our bodies. And uh, we've looked at how great God is versus all the other gods. I didn't know Easter came from Ishtar. Acts on fatherhood in our nation. And we've learned all about, as we've gone along, this ancient demonic goddess Ishtar and her deliberate sustained attack on manhood. You might remember I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. That's what we're seeing around us today. It's no, it's no coincidence that all of a sudden the lines between boys and girls is getting blurred. I like what Sam said on Friday night. If you can't figure it out, stand in front of a mirror with no clothes on and you'll probably get... Talk about this morning. 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 We've done a series on how great God is. We looked at how great God is in the heavens, how great God is in our bodies. And uh, we've looked at how great God is versus all the other gods. I didn't know Easter came from Ishtar. Really? I don't like it anymore. I thought it came from bunnies, but clearly it doesn't. Um, last week, Kenny looked at attacks on fatherhood in our nation. And we've learned all about, as we've gone along, this ancient demonic goddess Ishtar and her deliberate sustained attack on manhood. You might remember I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. That's what we're seeing around us today. It's no, it's no coincidence that all of a sudden the lines between boys and girls is getting blurred. I like what Sam said on Friday night. If you can't figure it out, stand in front of a mirror with no clothes on and you'll probably get it because it's pretty clear to us. But, but this demonic force is, is behind this insane drive to emasculate men transgenderism bisexuality and all that sort of stuff but remember ephesians 6 verse 12 we struggle not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places so we're not fighting people we're not even fighting lobby groups we're fighting a spiritual battle here and despite what the gay bc might want to report this is not hate speech i don't hate our people uh, I don't hate the LGBTXYZ people. I love them because they're people. Jesus loves them because they're people. We have to love and respect human beings, but that does not mean we have to condone their actions and what they're trying to do in our society and to our children. God is love, but we forget sometimes. People say, God is love, God is love. He accepts and loves everybody. Yes, he does, but he is also just and he is also holy. So, you know, he's loving and forgiving, but he's also holy. There is a sinister agenda behind everything that's happening. Why would there be, think about it, why would there be in the last few years this concerted effort to emasculate men? To, to, what's the agenda? What are they trying to do? What is this spiritual force behind it all trying to do? Well, if you remember back in Genesis, Genesis 1.27, You've got this incredible verse where, you know, God created man in his own image and he created them male and female. He didn't create them just a, a, as, a, as an asexual thing. He created them male and female. So there is an agenda behind what is going on. And what is happening here is that the agenda is saying to people that you cannot be one or the other it's saying to people that there's everything's sort of blending into one but what they're doing along the way is they are actually emasculating people they're emasculating men and what that is doing 
is it's telling you that God is not your father because there is no fathers anymore. So this is an incredible attack against what is happening in, you know, against what Christianity stands for. It is no accident that God has, has made man in his own image and he made them male and female. It's no accident that these things have happened. But it's no accident also that he has revealed himself as the father, as the one who is the father of all, who is in all and through all and above all. But he's, it's, it's not an accident that he said, I am your father. Because he is, in fact, the father of us all. He could have revealed himself as anything, but instead he chose to reveal himself as a father. But this, this agenda that is happening behind everything is trying to, trying to take away the fact that God is your father. And if you don't believe me, uh, Kenny mentioned the other day that the Church of England is actually opening discussions on starting to use gender-neutral terms for God. Because they don't want it to, God to be referred to as a him or a father. Uh, in the 2011 NIV translation, they've already gone gender neutral. If you look at Numbers 23:19, it says, God is not a person that he should lie. The, you know, my Bible says God is not a man that he should lie, but they're trying to take it all out of everything, catering for these lobby groups. Reverend Ian Paul uh, in the Daily Telegraph said, the fact that God is called father cannot be substituted by mother without changing the meaning, nor can it be gender neutralized to parent without loss of meaning. Fathers and mothers are not interchangeable, but relate to their offspring in different ways. How many of you know that? You know, the mothers tends to be the caring, loving, one, and the, the guys are the more sort of stoic one, but we're the strength. Well, we should be the strength. But they're trying to take that away. The Bible says that, that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of all creation has revealed himself as a father. And that's what I want to explore today. But how we see God as a father is actually affected by how we see our own fathers. So let me ask you, how do you see your father? I had a wonderful, loving, godly father. He's gone to be with the Lord now. Um, but I had a, a wonderful father. And some of you have not had that. When I say father, for some of you, you lived in terror of, of his moods or of his belt. Uh, or, or maybe your father wasn't in the picture. Perhaps he, perhaps he left you early in life. Maybe he only showed up every other weekend. Perhaps he was at home physically but never had time for you. Many fathers in Australia are like that. They might be there, but they're not there. Perhaps he was sexually or physically abusive to you. Whatever your view of your earthly father, you need to stop for a moment and realize that your view of your heavenly father is colored by the relationship you had with your father for good or for ill. 2 Corinthians 6 says this, I will be a father to you and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. I think that's pretty clear. God doesn't say, I will be a person to you. He doesn't say, I will be a parent to you. He says, I will be a father to you. Why would he choose that? What's the big deal about being a father? Well, some see God as having a big stick waiting to smash you and punish you if you step out of line. A lot of people see God like that. A lot of people see God as just being someone far away and disinterested. You know, God is watching us from a distance, Bette Midler saying. Some live in fear of rejection from him, fearing that if you do the smallest failure, God is going to smash you. But many of us here to, uh, this morning will know that God is a loving Father whose heart is for you and his love is infinite. So if you focus on your earthly father, you'll see faults. I know as a father, I am not perfect. I have made many, many mistakes. 
But if you focus on your heavenly father, you don't see faults, you see perfect love. And we have to make that jump. And the greatest illustration we had read to us before as we sang that song is in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. So if you've got your Bible, have a look at Luke 15. I'm not going to repeat the whole thing, but you remember the son disobeyed his God, took his inheritance, went out and squandered it, finished up living with pigs. Some of you say, I live with pigs anyway, but you know, he actually did, like, like proper, real pigs. Um, he longed to eat the pods of the pigs and he wasn't able to you know and in the end he came to his senses and he thought man I'm going to go back even if he just takes me back as a servant I'm going to go back to my father because life is so bad at the moment I'm going to return to him and then it says this while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him that's the heart of a father there and he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him and the son said father I have sinned against heaven and against you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for my son. This son of mine was dead and is now alive. He was lost and is now found. How good is that? That is, that is the father heart of God. When he looks at you, that's what he's feeling. He's not out to smash you. He's not out to ruin you. He's not out to rain on your fun and your parade. He, is, he loves you just the same way this, this father loved his son. The parable shows us a lot about the heart of God the Father. <coughs> that's why Ishtar and the goddess and or the media and the governments are trying to remove maleness and fatherhood from our culture because if you take fatherhood away, you miss this incredible story and this incredible blessing and connection of God the Father with you. You'll miss it if you chuck out malehood. So let's, let's have a look at what this passage means about the father, some of the aspects of the Father heart of God, the love that he has. Well, the, <coughs> the first thing is God loves unconditionally. Romans 8, we know this well, but I love this passage, Romans 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither the ABC or NBC or anything else, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. That's unconditional love. See, God's love for you is unconditional, meaning no matter what you do, he loves you. It is unwavering, meaning he, it never changes. It is unfathomable meaning that you try as you might, you will never exhaust the depths of the Father's love. He loves you so much. The world tells us, and they, they've been preaching this mantra for some years now, the world says, if you love someone, you will let them do what they want. That's not true. You can love someone and not let them do whatever they want. You can love someone and not agree with them. Husbands and wives, look at one another. Do you always agree with each other? Probably not. One little guy goes, yeah, I do. <laughs> you can still love one another if you have a disagreement. I love my wife and that doesn't change, even if we have a disagreement. I'm just sad that she's wrong so often, that's all. <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we love one another unconditionally. I don't say, well, if you measure up, I'll love you, and if you don't measure up, I won't love you. My love for her stands. 
And God's love is infinitely greater than that. So does God's infinite love mean that everyone goes to heaven? No, he loves everyone. It means, what it means is that all of us deserve to die and go to hell. Read Romans. All of us deserve to go to hell, but in his infinite love, he offers us the chance to go to heaven. But we don't all accept it. If you go to hell, it is your choice, not his, because he loves you. But he cannot compromise holiness just to show you that he loves you. He did better than that. He sent his son to pay the price for you to show you that he loves you. So if you choose to reject his son, don't say, God, why did you do this to me? Because he didn't do it. His hand is offered out to you. Sam said on Friday night, if, Sam, if someone's going to give you something, you've got to take it. You've got to receive it. And if, if, if salvation is offered to you, if eternal life is offered to you and you don't receive it, it's not the fault of the one who's offering it to you. It's your fault. But if God loves us, why doesn't he just let everyone into heaven? Because if he did, heaven would be hell. Because heaven is without sin. So unless you can figure out how to be without sin, then you can't be in heaven because there is no sin in heaven. But thanks be to God, he's provided a way where we can be without sin. Our sin can be forgiven. If you accept Jesus Christ as your saviour, your sin is automatically forgiven. Now in the parable, the father loves his son and, and even when his son rejects him, the father still loves him. Even when he blows the family fortune, on wine, women, and song, the father still loves him. At home, abroad, in a brothel or, or a pigsty, the father's love never changes. The wayward son is still in a pigsty, but his father still loves him. The fact that the father loves him doesn't stop him from being where he chose to be, the consequences of his action. See, you can choose your actions, you can't choose the consequences. They choose you. He wasn't spared the consequences of, his re of the rejection of his father. He was where he chose to be by his actions. But his father never stopped loving him and he waited for him. That's why the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God so loved the world. The whole world. Even the ones we don't like. He loves them. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life if you reject jesus there are consequences in this life and in eternity and even as a saved believer if you willingly disobey the father you'll be forgiven but there are still consequences for your actions we live in a world where we like to blame everybody else for everything don't we you know if you go to the courts what do they do they they say well the you know we won't prosecute this guy because of, of what his parents did or because of what his friends were doing or you know we love to shift the blame. It's the old saying, but I like it still. You know, Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the snake. Snake didn't have a leg to stand on. We've heard that before. But we love to shift blame. We love to pass it down the line. But we should, you know, don't cover up your sin. Own up to your sin. Because if you own up to it, then, then you can take responsibility and God will forgive you. He promises that. See, a loving God... He loves you, but, but his love for you is not a license to sin. God is a loving father, and in, any loving father knows that discipline is a part of parenting. Our dads sometimes allowed us to feel the consequences of our sin, because that's how we learn and grow and mature. 
Who's ever felt the consequences of their sin? I remember as a teenager, we had a, a night out with our French class and uh, we went out to a restaurant and I discovered red wine that night and it was very bad red wine. So no one else liked it on my table or any table near me, so I drank the lot. And I came home and I came home and I remember standing in front of my mum and dad and saying, there must be something off with the food. <laughs> I felt terrible. Well, they just said food, sure, come on in, go to bed. You know, they let me suffer and suffer I did. Uh, had never done it since. But, but you know, there, there are consequences to what we do. You can't just remove the consequences. God is more interested in our character than our comfort. But he does limit the hardship we face. In Hebrews 12, it says this, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. So God loves you so much that he will let you suffer the consequences of what you do because that's how you learn. Have you ever met a child who's never been disciplined? Yes, if you haven't, go down to, to uh, the, the centre down there, sit outside for 10 minutes and watch and you will see a number of children who have never been disciplined or rarely disciplined. See, kids ste step out of line and kids do need to experience the consequences of their actions. But through it all, God's unconditional love is always waiting for repentance and restoration. In 2 Peter it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Why do you think we're going through all of this social upheaval at the moment? Is it because the bad guys are winning? No. They can't win. I've read the book. I know who wins in the end. They can't win. But God is being patient with our whole society. And at some point, he's going to say enough. He is. And as I've said before, if God doesn't punish Australia for our sins, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah because our sin is far greater in this day and age. Do you remember, those of you who have had kids, and some of, some of you have kids already young, because you remember your kids when they started to walk? Do you remember that? They, they, they get up and they hang on to something and you see that little glint in their eye and they kind of go, oh, this is it. They're going to take their first step. Do you remember that? Right? And they're standing there and the legs are going like Elvis Presley, you know. <laughs> and then they go, yep. And they take one step, maybe two steps, and then they fall flat on their face. Who remembers that? Yeah. And do you remember that when you saw them fall over, you reached behind the couch and you pulled out a cricket bat and you said, you stupid child, why did you do... Who did that? Anybody? You did. What did you do when they fell? You picked them up. Kenny, you did not do that. <laughs> when they fell, you picked them up and you hugged them and you said, let's try again, didn't you? Because that's what it's like when we love our children. Now, if you who are earthly and sinful can do that for your child, what do you think your heavenly father is doing? When you suffer, when you have difficulty, he is there pitching for you saying, come with, come with me, I'll lift you up, I will love you, I'll care for you. Let's try it again, let's do it again. That's the heart of the father right there. When you sin, he doesn't just throw you to the lions of consequences, but while you experience just consequences for your sin, he walks beside you waiting for you to turn to him. Why? Because he loves you unconditionally. 
The second thing about his love is that the Father's heart wants the best for you. Jeremiah 29, you know this verse well, many of you, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God is the creator of the universe and he has a plan for your life. And it's a great plan. One to prosper you, not to cause you harm, a plan to give you a hope, a future, a destiny, a life that is incredible. That's God's plan for you. If you sin, if you walk away, you walk away from his plan for you. He's not going to chase you down and enforce his destiny on you. He's going to wait for you to turn to him and be obedient. And then he can lead you into your destiny. See, God is not out to punish you. He's not out to hurt you. He's not out to limit or control you. He wants the very best for you. But wanting the best doesn't mean granting every stupid request you make or giving you license to live a life of sin. This is what the world's missing right now. God loves everybody. Yes, he does. Therefore, he loves me no matter what I do. Yes, he does love you. Therefore, I, I, you know, he's, he's just going to take me to heaven and I'm saved. No, sorry. There are consequences for what you do. He knows everything. He can lead you. Every difficult situation you face, he can bring good out of it. Romans 8.28, God brings good out of all of these things. And you can choose to walk away. You can choose to throw his perfect life, perfect plan for your life back at him. But listen today, if you, if you repent today, if you come to Christ today, like the prodigal son, the plan is back on. Look at your life. Just take a few seconds. Look at your life. Tell me, are you fulfilled in your life? Have you reached your destiny or fallen short? Come to the Father today. If you come to the Father, it's game on. What an exciting way to live your life. You know, Andy and Shani didn't believe. They're just a couple of, uh, you know, wayward teachers and musicians and singers and stuff. They didn't believe they'd be over in, in Vanuatu ministering to people over there like you just saw on the screen. But God's blessing them with that. Would you swap it? No way. No way. They have a house with a toilet that flushes. No way. <laughs> Occasionally flushes, yeah. <laughs> you see, you are God's special child. You're also his special project. He, and he's faithful. He will never give up on you. You sin, you let him down, reject him, disobey him. He never gives up on you, just like dads should never give up on us. He's the perfect father. But he's waiting for you to turn to him and he will forgive and complete his plan in your life and his grace is inexhaustible the third thing the father's heart is always looking out for you if you look in in luke 15 20 it says this so he got up and went to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him now at that time decent blokes didn't run they had robes, they kind of got all tangled up. They didn't run. But this father threw all caution to the wind, threw culture to the wind. He just picked up his um, robes and he tore out as fast as he could because he loved, he was looking for his son. And how long? While the son was off doing all these things, the dad was sitting there waiting, looking at the horizon. When's he going to come over the horizon? Is he ever coming back? The father saw him from afar and rushed out to welcome him. You know, and all that time he'd been waiting expectantly, looking and believing for a change of heart. See, God sees everything. 
So you can't surprise him. If you think your sin drives him away, think again. If you think you can sin in the dark and get away with it, (laughs) think again. He sees everything. Does it turn him off you? Not at all. He loves you unconditionally. But what it does do is it makes him wait. And he is just waiting, just waiting for you to let it go and turn back to him. And then it's game on. Our excuses are often so pathetic because he knows the truth. I remember um, one of our favorite stories of our kids growing up, and it is not Tara. (laughs) It is, in fact, Kira. Um, As a little girl, we got up one morning, and she'd got all the Easter eggs out, and she was covered in in chocolate, a face all covered in chocolate, sitting in a sea of, um, of little sort of metallic papers. And we looked at her, and we said, what have you done? And she said, my dolly did it. And, and, and we, so she blamed her doll, but we kind of knew, <laughs> given that most of it was around her face, um, that we kind of knew who was actually, you know, was actually the perpetrator here. See, our feeble denials, God, I'm, you know, I'm not like that. No, 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 God, you know, I don't need you. For, our feeble denials are to a father who sees it all and knows it all. And look, the, the great thing about the Bible is it's no holes barred. You know, I, I remember sitting as we were driving along, my, my youngest daughter, Christy, would be reading from the Bible all the time. She had a Bible she carried around with her. She loved the Word, still loves the Word of God. And I remember sitting there driving one day, and this little voice come the, from the back, because she's reading her Bible as we're driving along, a little voice says, Dad, and I say, yes, sweetheart. She says, what does the word prostitute mean? <laughs> so like any good father, I said, ask your mother. <laughs> But see, the Bible is no whole barred. Like, like it, doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't blank those words out. It doesn't just show you people who were success stories. It shows you the good, the bad, and the ugly. So God loves sinners, and when they repent, he accepts them, and they, he raises them up to incredible destinies. Paul murdered Christians, and God sought him out. David committed adultery and murder, etc., and God made him king. So picture this, in your darkest moment of sin, in your greatest time of shame, your father is watching, he's waiting, and he's not condemning you, he is longing for your return to him. He doesn't like what he sees you do, but it never stops him loving you. No matter what you've done, no matter how selfish or sinful or horrible you have been, God, your father, is looking out for you, waiting for you, loving you. He's looking at you right now. He's looking at you where you're seated right now. He's waiting to lavish life and life to the full upon you. He is always looking out for you. The next thing is, the Father's heart always responds to repentance. See, the story, uh, I I read a story told about a a family holiday in the car. Who's done those? Was there ever a time you could drive kids in a car on a long journey without an iPad? Who remembers that? Seems a long time ago, doesn't it? How many, how many uh, games of I Spy with My Little Eye did you play? <laughs> or spot the number plate? So there's a story of a, a family on holiday. They came to a sign that said, Road closed, do not enter. And the man proceeded around the sign because he's a man and he thinks he knows everything. And he, went, he said, this will save us time, kids. This will be great. And he goes along, round a few bends, etc., on for a kilometre or so, and then he finds that the bridge is washed out. 
So he turns around and very meekly comes back, picks his way back. And on the reverse side of the sign that said, road closed, was the words written, welcome back, stupid. (laughs) So let's face it, we all do stupid things, am I right? We all do, do foolish, headstrong things. We all think we can go our own way, but we all fall short of God's standards. Romans 3.23, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. See, if, if two men are running to catch a plane and one man is an hour late, the other man is one minute late, both miss the flight. Think about it. You see, it doesn't matter if you're better than your neighbour or better than the guy down the street because your neighbour is not the standard. God is the standard and we all fall short. People say, how can I get right with God? I, I think I can maybe be religious. I can do this. I can give to this charity and, and do this. And, and uh, you know, Frank Sinatra gave millions of dollars before he died to the, to the Catholic Church because he was trying to atone for his many sins. You know, we think if we can just you know, give a lot or do a lot or, or, or go to church and do all that sort of stuff, then we'll be right. But I say to people, it's not, you, you, you can't make it. You just can't do it. Here's an illustration. Who wants a free trip to New Zealand? Most of you don't, I see. <laughs> free trip to New Zealand. Come with me down to Malula Bar and start swimming. <laughs> now, you might be an Olympic swimmer. But you're not going to make it to New Zealand, are you? You know, you, your best efforts... As as great an athlete as you might be, you are never going to swim all the way to New Zealand. And that's what salvation is like. We can't earn it ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. But God has done it in the person of Jesus Christ. And in this parable, the the, the son finally recognizes that he's fallen short. So he heads home. And when he did, the prodigal father was there responding with forgiveness and, 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 and love towards his son. When his son repented, he was right there. Your heavenly father responds the same way. Remember 2 Peter 3, 9, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Now, in Greek, the word repentance is metanoia, which means a complete reversal of one's mind. It means a 180-degree turn. I love it when people say, I'm going to make a 360-degree turn. Well, good on you. You'll be back where you started. It's a 180-degree turn. is back the other way, okay? A little bit of geometry for you there. But what it doesn't mean, repentance doesn't mean I'll just veer slightly towards the good. It doesn't mean I'll sort of lean over towards good and away from bad. It means a complete reversal. True repentance is deeper than just feeling sorry. And God is looking for repentance. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Sorrow without God, it's going gonna, it's gonna to finish up in death. You and I have sinned. Even as believers we've sinned. And if we sin, our conscience weighs heavily upon us and we regret what we've done especially if we're caught. And this regret can and will destroy you. And so many people carry this burden, you know, carry it on their shoulders. It fills them with, it kills them. Right? They carry this sorrow because they're so upset and ashamed of what they've done in the past. And I've got to tell you that when you come to Christ and you repent, you have to make the past past at last. 
don't keep revisiting it Corrie ten Boom used to say he takes our sin he throws it in the sea of his forgetfulness and he puts up a sign that says no fishing we love to go back and refish this stuff get it out again have a look at it but when we repent like the prodigal son he promises if we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgression from us if you want to be set free from guilt and shame for anything that you've done in your life today the answer is right here in Jesus Christ and he can set you free from that repentance might be painful it might humble you but it actually sets you free in a way you've never experienced before if you delight in God's word, you will delight in God's will. And when you repent, the burden of sin is lifted. The fear of consequences is removed. The joy of the Lord is restored and life, life to the full is the result. Trust me, if you think sinning is fun, try holiness. It's awesome. Getting it right. I, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I, I had a, a, a transgender guy came in for an eye test. And uh, he's a very nice um, bloke, girl, whatever. Um, not really sure how to say that but it's a very nice person and uh, but but he stared at the ground and he wouldn't look me in the eye and I realized this is this is a, a, an incredibly broken person he's just broken he's in such pain my heart went out to he said he, you know he's just suffering here you see the consequences of sin is suffering we put ourselves through it the shame the guilt that we carry which leads me to the fifth one the, the, the heart of the Father desires to restore you. The true aim is for God to restore us. The prodigal returned home, hoping at best to be a servant. But the Father said, nope, you're not going to be a servant. Come in, you're going to be a son again. I'm restoring you to where you were before. You know, the, the brother got upset about that. Man, I've been here the whole time doing the right thing. This joker goes out, blows everything, and you put him back in as a son dad that's not right that's not just that's not fair and the dad said no it's not it's grace yeah people say i don't think god's been fair with me you don't want god to be fair <laughs> trust me you want him to be gracious you don't want to receive a fair return for what you've done you want to you want to receive grace Joel 2.25 says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. And, you know, if you've seen locusts go through a field, they wipe the thing out. They eat everything that is edible. They're like a teenage boy. doesn't matter what it is. They just eat it. It's, and, and what you're left with is a shell. What you're left with is dirt and dust. But God said, I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. Restoration means making something like the years of neglect had never happened. I thought some of you uh, rev heads would like this. You know, they take a car that looks like this and they make it look like that, as if the years of neglect had never happened, as if it just rolled off the production line. But in actual fact, like if you restore a car, you take it back to its original condition. But when God restores things, restores things he doesn't take you back to the original. He takes you back to what you should have been all along. He takes you back to the destiny that you should have had all along. That's God's version of restoration. It goes way beyond just this. Those years you've wandered away from him, those years you've disobeyed, messed up your life, dumb decisions, hurtful words, the pain you've caused others, the pain you've caused yourself, 
God is in the restoration business and he's calling you home because that's where he does his restorations. And I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to us today. You see, the heart of the Father is to love people. And they're trying to take that away because they don't want you to know this incredible love of a Father. They don't want you to know that. But if you know it, it's the greatest love there is. Back in the 1970s, who remembers the 1970s? You weren't even born, some of you, in the 1970s, but uh, I remember them vaguely. <laughs> I do. They, you know, I was just a young lad. But back in the 70s, Tony Orlando and Dawn had a hit song called Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree. Remember that? It was loosely based on an old story. Here's the story it was based on. A young man had committed a crime. He'd been sent to prison. He'd been out of touch with his parents. His parents were deeply ashamed of what he had done to land up in prison. And at the, as the time of his release draw, drew near, he wrote to his parents saying, I've served my... I'm coming home. I've served my time. Um, I've served my time. I'm being released. I'll be on the train. And the train runs past our family home. If you forgive me for what I've done... Please tie a white ribbon, it was a white ribbon in the story, to, to the old oak tree outside our house. If there is no ribbon there, I will stay on the train and you will never hear from me again. So he's on the train home, he's sitting beside an old man and he tells him the story. And as the bend approaches with, with his family home, he knew it was on the bend in the, in the track. He said to the old man, he said, he said I, can't, I can't look. Would you please look and tell me what you see? And so the old man hung out the window. He says, can you tell me if there's a white ribbon on the tree? He said, do you see it there? The young man said. No, replied the older man. And the young man's heart sank. But then he went on. He said, there isn't one white ribbon. There's hundreds of them all over the tree. What does this mean? The old man asked the young man. And the young man replied, it means I'm going home. What a story. And today... There are hundreds of ribbons tied to the old oak tree for you. The heart of the Father is tying these ribbons on for you because he wants you to know loud and clear that he loves you. What, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, he loves you. You are precious to him and it is time to come home. Today, God, the creator of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, your Father is calling you home and there's hundreds of ribbons on that tree he's saying come to me all you who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest he's saying come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and drink he loves you he cares for you he wants to protect you he has the best in mind for you an incredible destiny and today all you need to do is to receive it let's pray together if you've never asked jesus into your life this is the moment for you. Maybe you've toyed with it. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe you're a little confused. Maybe you've sat in church a time or two, but you've never truly made a commitment to Jesus Christ. This is the moment for you. Those white ribbons are on that tree, and his heart is outstretched to you, saying, Come, come. It's God's favorite word, come home, come home. So if you've never asked Jesus into your life or maybe you've wandered far from him and you want to recommit your life today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to pray it with me because together we are going to believe that you come home right now, home to your destiny, 
home to forgiveness, home to joy and life and peace, home to eternal life. So if that's you, pray these words with me. And together we're going to ask Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior and for God to be your Father. Say, dear Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me for what I've done. I turn aside from my sin and towards you. And I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And thank you for making me part of your forever family. If you pray those words for the first time or the first time in a long time, just shoot your hand up where you are. We're not going to call you out the front, but, but just shoot your hand up and put it down quickly. We want to know that everyone in this room is going to heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven. Heaven is going to be amazing. He created all that we see around us in six days. He's been working on heaven for 2,000 years. It's going to be awesome. But we want you to be there with us. So if that's you, just quickly shoot your hand up and put it down. Great. Now for the rest of us, some of us here really need a touch from the Father. Some of us here to know, need to know that the Father loves us. Maybe you had a difficult relationship with your Father. I'm telling you today, we can blow that out of the water. You can know a level of love that you have never experienced before. If you had a difficult relationship with your father for whatever reason, wherever you are, I'm just going to ask that you stand up in your seat because I believe that the love of the father is going to touch you this morning. Just stand up wherever you are. There will be a few of you. Most of you didn't have great dads, but some of you did. If God's speaking to you and you've, you've had a difficult relationship with your father, this is the moment when God is going to touch you are there any more? I believe there's more here. This is not something to be ashamed of. This is something to rejoice in. Because this morning we're going to make God your, your father, your forever father. Just before we wrap it up, if you've had a difficult relationship with your father, I want you just to stand wherever you are. We're just going to sing a song here at the end and we're going to pray. And we are going to believe that God the Father is going to love you like crazy in, on a level you've never experienced before. Just gather around those ones who are standing there. Let's, let's pray together. Folks, let's pray together. Let's say these words together. Thank you, Lord, for being a father. Thank you, Lord, for your unconditional love. Thank you for your destiny for my life. I ask you now to wrap your arms around me in the name of Jesus. Heavenly Father, I just pray that as people are, are praying here, some are afraid to stand. Some, some maybe have worked this through and they think they're okay. But Lord, I pray that you would just wrap your arms around each and every one of us. Because we love you. And Lord, we know that you love us. Lord, I pray for our poor, wayward, sick nation. I pray for people out there on the streets 
who feel that their fathers hate them and they hate God as a result. Lord, I pray that you will break through and I speak life, I speak Jesus into these streets. I speak Jesus into our nation. That a fatherless nation that we have right now where they're trying to kill off manhood and kill off father. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the father heart of God will shine across our nation. Lord, raise this nation up. Let us not be fatherless anymore. Let us not be orphans, but we have, been, we have been gathered into your family, grafted into your family. And Lord, I pray that we will preach that message to a nation that is hurting because their fathers have rejected them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, Father, that you would shine your light through us and others who love you to our wayward nation. And Lord, I pray specifically against the, the attacks on manhood, Father, that you will turn that whole situa situation around. We can't turn it around, Lord, but you can. Lord, we pray that you would shine the love of the Father into the hearts of our LGBT, etc. community. Lord, that they would know the true love of a Father. Lord, I pray that you would shine the love of a Father into our prisons, where most prisoners have never had a good relationship with their Father, if any at all. Lord, I pray that you would shine the light of a father into our schools where kids are hurting and crying and rejecting authority. In the name of Jesus, we speak the Father heart of God across our nation. Lord, use us to shine your light, we pray in Jesus' name.